0: Welcome back to the Online Learning Minute at MarketScale. I'm your host, Brian Runo, and I'm joined again by the Director of Global Education Solutions at Lenovo, Rich Henderson. Rich, it's a pleasure to have you on again.
1: Brian, thank you for having me on again. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you so much. So Rich, um, Lenovo has historically been an electronics company that deals with a lot of uh, consumer electronics and a lot of B2B electronics, but um, maybe not so much recently, but how is Lenovo overall positioning itself as a thought leader in distance learning?
1: Yeah, thanks for the intro, Brian. So uh, a lot of your listeners may not know this, but Lenovo is actually the number one technology provider for education devices globally so last year in 2019 we shipped about 7.2 million uh, devices mostly mobile um, notebooks and tablets to k-12 students around the world and we we've been providing those devices in a way that is secure and and giving those students access to that great technology but also standing behind it with software and services so you some of your listeners may not know this either, but in 2012, Lenovo acquired a software company. Uh, and now we've been leveraging Land School, uh, which has been in the market for 30 years, as a classroom management um, provision. We give that to all of our K 12 uh, customers. So they get a, a year of Land School when they buy our devices. So we're we're providing the student devices and we're doing that globally, but we're also providing the classroom management and, and software and services close to that device as well.
0: So, what does uh, Land School do then um, in terms of classroom management? Is it just kind of like an electronic version of the teacher's attendance book um, and grade book combined, or what does it really do?
1: Well, it's, it, it does that, but it's also part of the, the main focus of Land School is to provide student and classroom management so it it has tools such as um, safety features like web limiting keyword monitoring web and app reporting it also allows a teacher from a dashboard to see all of the student screens what the students are seeing on their screens the teacher can push content to to those student devices as well as monitor what students are looking at
0: so you're Basically, ensuring that the students are paying attention to the uh, to the content that the instructor needs them to, and also at the same time, I think you said that there was a keyword search there. So, does that go along with preventing uh, cyberbullying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, there's a couple things we're doing uh, around that, but let me address this this one point first. The the reason why this this classroom management is important is even in a classroom setting, you've got Let's say you have up to 30 students in the classroom with each one with their own devices and they're working on things in the classroom. It's not so much the, the vision that the teacher will sit behind their desk and monitor what the students are looking at, but it's more the ability for the teacher to push content out to those students, to get the students on task and to, to help drive the lesson forward as they're going through it. And that's even more important now in a remote learning environment where you know, students, they're unable as easily to raise their hand to get quick redirection. And so the teacher can really drive that synchronous lesson experience by helping students to stay on task. When it comes to the cyber bullying piece, that's where our partnership with Bark for Schools has really come into play. So we, we partnered with Bark uh, to provide a Bark for Schools integration, and it really allows tools that will alert administrators and parents to know when students are using keywords around depression or cyberbullying or self-harm or even sexual content and, and when students are using words like that or coming across things like that it, it creates a notification system to to help schools and parents be alert and responsible
0: that sounds awesome uh, what kind of response have you gotten from uh from all of this.
1: Well, it's it's a, it's brand new. So, we've been working on it for a number of months and we just announced it this last week, but the the when it comes to distance learning in general and remote learning, we believe that there are some core features that have to be there in place. And let me let me paint that scenario a little bit. So, you know, 2 months ago when most of the world and the US included had to go into remote learning, there's really three things that, that curriculum and IT really started focusing on. One is cybersecurity and student safety. You're gonna deploy this set of devices that may have been lab devices, they may have been CART devices, um, But that some of them were one-to-one certainly, but now you've deployed these out to the homes where they're not protected by your network infrastructure at school and your tools there to to block bad content so now you have devices in the hands of students you want to make sure that they're safe and secure number two you want to make sure that you can manage a remote class environment through through your lms or your content system as well as uh, any synchronous classes that you may want to hold with your students that's where land school comes into place and then thirdly it's really around the instructional tools and resources what are the curriculum tools and instructional tools and STEM content that the students have access to. So as we've kind of rolled out this distance learning portfolio, as well as the partnership with BARC, we feel we have a great strategy now globally for educators who need to turn these devices on for remote learning both now and in the future, as we get into next year and, and the years beyond, we know there's gonna be some flexibility that's required to have a hybrid environment of students from home students in the classroom and and we're prepared for that
0: no definitely i mean i can imagine that the next time some outbreak happens it's not really a if question but when um you're gonna see maybe half the students uh remotely learning at home while the other half are in the classroom just to make sure that you know there's enough social distancing going on
1: Yeah, we've heard a number of different scenarios that have been evaluated for the fall as schools come back into session. But I think the important thing is to identify tools and resources that can be used both in a classroom setting as well as a continuity of your program as you go into remote or distance learning. So we see, we don't see these as two separate environments, but something that can be flexible and adapt to in-classroom or remote.
0: Sure, but um, there's a lot of well, this whole past two months with everybody moving to remote teaching so quickly and without people being fully prepared, it could be said that this was like more of an emergency remote teaching type of scenario. Um, So what kind of things do you think uh, we could utilize like LandSchool Embark and and Lenovo for uh, to really prepare our educators for fall of 2020, like something that can be done over summer break?
1: Yeah, it's a great point. The the fact is that this came up really rapidly with with all of our, our customers at Lenovo. And our primary focus was how do we make sure that our customers are prepared, that our device fleets can be deployed, that they're safe, that they're secure, that they have the right instructional tools. So our focus has been on making sure that our current customers are having what they need. And, and some of the best practices that we've heard is, you know, stick to the tools that you have now that your teachers know, and then develop your instructional and curriculum tools around those. So as we get into the fall, we do see that there's gonna be a desire to continue to practice and prepare for this next wave if there is one of of distance learning and or a hybrid environment. I'll give you a good example. One of our customers uh, out of Gwinnett County and near Atlanta, uh, Georgia has been practicing these digital instruction days. And this is an example of a district who had the foresight to plan digital instruction days over the last school year, they had regular days once every couple of months where they had students learn from home. And they, it gave them a chance to test their tools. It gave them a chance to, to practice these technologies. And frankly, when I talked to them on Thursday, they decided to close their schools. And on Monday, all of the students were already online and doing remote learning because they had prepared and they had those best practices in place.
0: So, maybe um, this could be something that's really easy to do for a lot of school districts. I know Gwinnett County is one of the wealthier districts around uh, Atlanta. But then, what about for the lower income uh, school districts, like in some inner cities?
1: Yeah, I think the important thing is balancing how do students access this content and, and make sure that it's safe and equitable for all students. So, the beauty of online learning and distance learning is that you have many different ways to access that, that technology. Now, the, the, there are a number of uh, partnerships that we've been developing with large state organizations and national organizations to drive uh, broadband technology into schools. And I will say that that's something that we've been supportive of. I think future technologies like 5G, will really help to expand that equity and access for all to to high-speed internet to enable these more remote distance learning environments. But what I'm seeing really, Brian, is this focus on equity and flexibility. It's not just around access to the tools, access to the content. It's about scheduling time and knowing that in this environment, there are parents that are working from home. There are parents who are trying to be the teacher and guide their students through that at the same time. And so we're seeing a blend of synchronous instruction and asynchronous instruction. And so as a school leader, it's important to provide flexibility both to your staff as well as to your students from attendance tracking to when students complete their assignments and providing different ways for them to complete that assignment whether uh, in today's environment they don't if they don't have online access if they don't have a device at home making sure that they have access to the materials in a different way
0: definitely and in terms of speaking about uh, having devices at home i know uh, when i was back in elementary middle school and high school uh, they provided us with you know laptop computers that we could utilize or we had a computer lab and with a lot of school districts now providing these laptops tablets touchscreens or whatever um what do you think that school districts need to know about choosing certain hardware um you know like whether they need a touchscreen or not or whether they need a full-fledged desktop computer what are some of those uh, criteria that you're seeing
1: well To be honest with you, we see a a huge range of device use globally. In many of the markets, we see Android tablets as the primary student interface device, and it's driven with a smart classroom environment. We're doing this in China and in Asia Pacific right now where it's primarily an Android tablet-based student experience that the teacher is using an online platform, an LMS, driving content, and the students are using the tablets as the interface. Uh, In other environments, we're seeing still of a lab or a desktop use, but in the mature markets, we're seeing a large shift into touchscreen notebooks. Because of that interactive uh, nature, you can do digital inking with a pen that's in these devices. And some of the research is showing that that is improving recall uh, by upwards of 30 to 40% of students that are doing digital inking versus just learning with a, a mouse and keyboard on a computer that note that motion of writing something down at the same time that you're learning and your sketches and your notes is improving recall so we're seeing some of the research support a move towards these touchscreen and digital inking devices
0: I mean, that makes a lot of sense because I remember when I was in college, uh, they told us, try not to take notes on your laptop, just take down what you can on a pen and paper. I mean, it makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, that's right.
1: And, and we've had a great partnership with Microsoft over the last number of years talking about uh, digital inking. And one of our devices that uh, we announced earlier this year, actually you can write on your screen with a pencil. So you don't even need a, uh, a like a number yeah, two number pencil. two pencil. So you don't even need a, a dedicated digital pen. You can just grab a number two pencil, and that becomes your your digital inking tool.
0: That makes a whole new meaning for those uh, scantron <laughs> tests that we used yeah, to exactly. take. You have to turn in your tablet at the end of the course. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So then, um, in terms of uh, you know utilizing that haptic feedback and uh, you know blending. Electronic with traditional styles like writing something. What do you think are some other areas that um, could benefit from enhanced technology?
1: Well, one of the areas that I think is a gap in today's remote learning is really access to STEM and CTE career and technical education type of opportunities. That is an area that's been invested in in schools with maker labs and with uh, virtual reality equipment and auto mechanic equipment, those things have, we haven't been able to access those since we're remote learning from homes. Even even labs in higher education are, are off limits. And so we need access to STEM-based content that can continue to provide a virtual experience. One of the things that we published in our distance learning portfolio is access to a a company called VATive that is is one of our uh, collaborative partners here. They have about 550 modules that we're actually just putting on the web. So you can do it in VR, which is great if you have a VR headset, but if you just have access to a web browser, whether that's a desktop or a tablet or a Chromebook or or what have you, they can just go to a website and view that same VR content in, in WebXR. So that type of content is is hard to find when it's mapped to curriculum and it's doing formative assessments so we've been focusing on establishing instructional tools and resources that will drive social engagement for students but also something that's curriculum mapped so it it pushes forward the the learning outcomes in the curriculum that, that we need
0: now when you say that they're curriculum mapped um i mean i know one of the benefits with online learning is that uh the students can learn at their own pace so um, with the solutions that you're talking about here, if you have a class of 20 students, are they able to still move at their own pace?
1: The, it depends on the content they're using. So some of the content is very modularized and opens as the teacher allows it in gates. One example of that in, in the offerings that we're bringing forward is a company called Exploros. And they actually have a device enabled teaching platform where a teacher can enable all the modules to be done asynchronously, meaning students can just do them at their own pace. Or they can teach a live session where the teacher is streaming video and can unlock gates as they're going through the lesson plan. So they can actually teach a 45 minute class session with the students on their devices from home and going through modules where the students are asked a question once they input their responses from their own side, the teacher can advance that and the students can see everyone else's responses too. So it becomes this social response system where you're putting in yours, but you can also see what the other class is saying. And they've been testing this in schools in Texas. And what's interesting is the amount of feedback and responses they're getting from students in the classroom is 10 to 15 times what you would get in a traditional teaching environment. I mean, imagine the scenario where the teacher's got 30 students in the classroom. They're teaching a subject and they ask a question. Only one or two students is going to be able to raise their hand and answer that question. But in this digital environment, all of the students will be progressing through it. They'll all be inputting their answers. And now the teacher will have a record of kind of all the students progress and input and be able to kind of measure each student as part of a whole. And so from that standpoint, I think there's some really innovative technology that can help really drive curriculum forward.
0: So then um, would the students be able to do social learning, like um, having some of the students who are more accelerated uh, help the students who are needing a little more extra attention? Would they be able to do that with these tools?
1: I haven't seen a lot of that so far so far most of what i've seen brian is still teacher led but the hope would be that we would build additional collaborative structures in there i love the idea of some of the video conferencing platforms now where you can group off uh, participants into small groups so in that scenario you could take a small group of students and and break them off and have them work on a an issue i haven't seen that fully integrated into some of the platforms yet but it's an exciting area
0: well, oh, definitely. I mean, I think, um, you know, as the technology keeps getting better, the overall need for in-person instruction uh, may start to get mitigated where we could eventually, I don't I don't want to say within the next five or 10 years, but maybe a little longer be um, fully online for all of our education and the schools would just be a source of uh, socialization for the kids. I don't
1: know. <laughs> well, the, the fact is that you know, having access to digital resources is a, is a boon for students. We did a survey uh, last year. We did a global study on how smart technology is impacting education and, and really the parent view and, this, and the student view of technology. 75% of the parents we surveyed said that their kids are more likely to look something up online than ask them for help with their schoolwork. And we're certainly seeing that in, in this environment where, you know, parents are working from home, students are working from home, students are reliant on the technology. And and I know I've done this. 60% of the parents in this survey said that when their students asked them something, they had to look it up online and pretend that they already knew the answer. So, <laughs> you know, so this were <laughs> you're you're uh,
0: you're giving me insight into the next, like, 10 years of my kids life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, how it translates into online learning and distance learning is really important because teachers, when it comes to instructional design, they have to think about ways to engage students in thought-provoking questions. It can't be multiple choice. It can't be these kind of simple, short answers because students have access to multiple devices in a lot of cases to, to look these things up and coach them through an exam. So questions tend to be more good questions for distance learning environments tend to be more thoughtful seeking student opinion and student input uh, in in short answer format or or additional requiring additional insights.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why when I was um, back in uh, back as an instructional designer at Northwestern, one of the main things I kept stressing was you know, we shouldn't be having online multiple choice exams, we should be having the students do projects, um, presentations, or some form of uh, essay as their assessments instead. Absolutely. I mean, I know it takes a lot more, um, it takes a lot more manpower to grade um, 100 essays than it would 100 multiple choice tests, which you could do the multiple choice tests almost instantly (laughs) um, through the servers. But um, I think yeah I definitely agree it um, it definitely benefits the students to do that well that's
1: that's where AI comes into play and and we're not there yet but we're we're beginning to see some of these tools be able to to grade uh, through, through smart grading actually we're, we've developed a solution for this in China and uh, we're testing it and piloting it in some schools in China and Asia Pacific where there they are more uh, they're it's requesting insights from students and it's not doing a multiple choice grading. It's actually using AI to, to read and interpret the student's intent of the language It's looking for keywords. So as a teacher, you know, you're looking for certain keywords, you know, you're looking for certain um, phrases or, or terminology, and it's doing some of that grading through AI, which can be trained over time as, as a teacher teaches that same class year after year that, that machine learning algorithm will continue to improve to make that grading, uh, even more seamless.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. And also a little bit frightening for any of the future students out there listening to this, um, <laughs> cause you may not be able to get away with that emotion, uh, emotional response from a teacher for a certain grade.
1: <laughs> well, what we wanted, what we really want to empower is empower the human decisions. So, so leverage the AI to, to do the study, to, to pull out the trends and the keys, but then it's going to allow teachers to be more efficient in their human decision-making.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. So Rich, we're coming up towards uh, almost a half hour here and I know that you're a busy man. So I wanted to ask you uh, one final question here, um, just based on what you've seen in terms of uh, the responses to all this distance learning and, um, now that we're approaching summer, um, what do you think that K 12 and higher education needs to do with the resources that they have right now to truly prepare for fall of 2020?
1: I do believe that the current surge in distance learning will have long term effects on education worldwide. So, this digital transformation has already been happening in our schools, but this This new event with the coronavirus means that we really need powerful, more powerful, more flexible solutions for blended learning. That means taking these digital tools, these online interactions, and translating them into classroom learning and and curriculum-based teaching. So it's really the a great opportunity for educators to begin to take these principles and apply them with their current methodologies to just evolve. It's a new canvas. But working together, uh, I believe that we'll conquer this. We'll we'll continue to take these lessons into, into classrooms to have a better flexible environment for both in-classroom and distance learning in the future.
0: That sounds awesome. All right. Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you here. We look forward to the next conversation that we can have. And for everybody else, that was your online learning minute at Market Scale. Be sure to stay tuned for more information on how business and education can intersect with technology. Thank you so much.